prayer supplication. Father God, we want to bring before you the, the needs within our body. We do pray comfort and blessing over Diana Wayne as they grieve the loss of her dad this week. So we pray blessings over the blockers that you watch over them. Be with their family down in, in Mississippi, Lord. Watch over them and sustain. Lord, we pray also for others in our body that are that have lost loved ones, have lost income, who are living in fear because of the things that are happening within our culture now. I pray that you will comfort them, Father. I pray that you will sustain them, Father. And Lord, I pray for our elders, for our deacons, for our session meeting today, that you will give us wisdom as the elders meet to talk about the business of the church. And Lord, I pray also for our body in the season that we're in and the conversations that we are having. I pray that you will continue to uh, draw us closer together as, 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 as a family, that you will give us hearts of humility, hearts of empathy, hearts of compassion and understanding, that we will keep short accounts with one another. And Lord, we pray for our city, blessings there. We pray for our country and the things that are happening now with the election fallout. I pray that your church here, the church at the village and your church globally here in America, Lord, that we will represent Christ well during these hard and difficult times. So, Lord, bless, Lord, sustain, Lord, comfort, Lord, heal. I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning, uh, TBC Saints and, and guests. I, I hope uh, you all have had a, a decent week this week on purpose. Uh, thank you all for uh, worshiping with us in person and also for those of you that are tuning in on Facebook Live. I'm grateful for your physical presence and your virtual presence. So as Amos said, the text today is from Colossians. So if you have your Bible, please open it to Colossians chapter 2. The text is verses 6 through 16. The message this morning is returning us to a series that we haven't been in for two months. Can, can y'all guess the name of that series? It's been a while. Yes, it's the Imago Day sermon series. And I'm pretty sure you don't re remember this. But the, the series is divided up into three sections. The first section is the Imago Dei created. The se section two is the Imago Dei shattered. And, and section three is the Imago Dei redeemed. And we're currently in the final section, the third section. We're in the home stretch. The, the end game is what we're in right now. The last sermon preached in this section was about Jesus being the redeemer of creation. And that's all of creation, not parts of it. He, he's a redeemer who brings about cosmic redemption. It's not just about individual salvation. It's the redemption of all things, the redemption of people, places, and things. This also means, and please hear this, please hear this and, and make a note, when, when a person comes to saving faith in Jesus, Jesus begins to redeem the Imago Dei in that person. That's an amen statement. When a person comes to faith in Jesus, 
gives their life to him, he begins to redeem the Imago Dei in them. He begins to restore and renew what the fall and sin shatters. That's amen. Christ does that. The process of redeeming the Imago Dei is a blessing to people who are in union with the Redeemer Jesus. And union with the Redeemer is the title of today's sermon from Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 15. Union with the Redeemer. Are y'all in union with the Redeemer? We shall see. Please pray with and for me for the blessing of God's word. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week and as I will continue to pray as long as I'm pastor of this church, we need you to move. The preacher is just a preacher. It's not part of the Godhead. Not part, doesn't have special knowledge. Just because the preacher may have went to seminary, that it doesn't mean that, 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 that the preacher is on par with the, with, with the Trinity. Does it mean he is on par with, with the Holy Spirit? Yes, the preacher must uh, do prep, but we still is required is the removing of the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the third person within the Godhead, has to take these words that, that are preached and apply it to the hearts of the preacher and to the hearts of everyone here, young and old. Holy Spirit, that is your job. The preacher cannot be people's Holy Spirit. That is not the preacher's lane. That is your lane, Spirit. And so you know us. You know us. You know me. You know those that are watching on Facebook. And you know those that are sitting here today. And you know what we need to hear. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, I beg of you, Holy Spirit, that you would give us what we need. Minister not just to our minds, but minister to our hearts today for Christ's glory and for our good. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. When you buy a piece of furniture that requires self-assembling, a, an instruction manual is usually would be included with that item, with that purchase. And the instruction manual, it helps you assemble the piece of furniture that you bought. It, it guides you through a series of steps to make sure you assemble it correctly. How many of y'all actually read the instruction manual? Good. It's more than I thought. How many of y'all say, I don't need no instruction manual? That's for beginners. I'm, a, I'm an expert when it comes to assembling furniture. I, I, I got this. Do you really have it? Listen, saints, it's, it's always good to, to read the instruction manual. Even if you think you got it, it's always good to, to open up that manual and to read it. Just, just don't assume, don't step out in the assumption that you're smart enough to figure it out along the way. The same is true when it comes to union with the Redeemer. You got to read the instruction manual. Don't assume you, you got it all figured out. Don't assume you, you got it all down pat because you've been a Christian for a long time. 
Don't assume y'all already know what it is and what it means. In Colossians 2, verses 6 through 15, the Apostle Paul gives an instruction manual for union with the Redeemer. And this manual is for people who have saving faith in Jesus. If you don't have saving faith in Jesus, then this this manual is a foreign language to you. You ain't going to know what it means or understand what it means. You have to be born again. You have to be a new creation. You have to be set free from your sins and transgressions. Are you free? You have to be reconciled to God in order to use and to enjoy this union with the Redeemer instruction manual. So are y'all reconciled to God in Christ? If not, no worries. Your life can change right now. Right now. Well, what must I do to be saved, Pastor? Well, acknowledge your sin and separation from a holy God. And then repent and ask Jesus to forgive you of those sins. And he will. And you confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. Then you submit and surrender to Jesus in saving faith. That's trusting him alone because he alone died on a cross. An old rugged cross. For all your sins, past, present, and future. These are all amen statements. Unless the gospel is just boring news to you. He alone was resurrected from the grave. Victorious over sin and death. And there is, saints. There is, people. No other name given under heaven by which sinners can be saved. None other name given by which you must be saved. You can conquer the world. You can save it all. But if you don't know Christ, it's pointless at the end of the day. Back in chapter 1, Paul says of the Redeemer Jesus, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him reconciling all things. Again, all things is all things, people, places, and things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, that's y'all and myself, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order, listen to this, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Amen. These words will be true of you if you come to save in faith in Jesus today. If you don't know him, they're already true for those of you who already have faith in Christ. And each of you who do have faith in Christ, you are in union with him, in union with the Redeemer. And this instruction manual that Paul is going to give us is for all of y'all, it's for all believers, all Christians. The manual gives details on what is being assembled in all believers. Maybe not assembled. Something is being reassembled. Did y'all catch that? There's a piece of furniture being reassembled in all believers because of their union with the Redeemer. And do you know what it is? It's the Imago Dei. It is the image of God. Listen, the fall shatters the image of God in all people. 
All people are created in God's image. And, we are, and that image is shared in all of us. Even non-Christians are created in God's image. That's why they can still be good citizens and be good spouses because that's a common grace. But this image is, is shattered, but it's not completely destroyed. It's, not, it's just broken. It's, it's just cracked. And it means humanity is not able to reflect God like he created them to do because of sin. But, 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 when, but when, the, when a person comes to say in faith in Jesus, the Imago Dei begins to heal people. It begins to heal. And here, it, it don't just heal as soon as you confess Jesus. We want instant healing. And that's part of the problems with spirituality in America. We want instant stuff, just like we want instant coffee. The gospel is true, but it ain't a microwave. It's an oven. That takes time to work in our life. The cost of their union with the Redeemer the Imago Day and all believers has been redeemed, it has been renewed, it has been restored through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do y'all believe it? Do y'all believe it? Professor Laura Roberts writes, The humanity of Jesus, as we encounter him in the gospel narratives, is essential to our being reshaped by the vision of the new life in Christ. Jesus as the image of God means first that Jesus represents God to creation in ways that the first human beings were called but failed to do. And second, that he enables other human beings to achieve directness to God of which their fallenness has deprived them. In Jesus, humanity as reflecting the image of God is restored. It is restored. Amen, saints. To conform to the image of Christ is to reflect God's likeness as human beings were created to do in Genesis 1. He's undoing what the fall did. It ain't just you dying and going to heaven. He's doing work in us. Redemption is bigger than you think. It's more beautiful than you think. Union with the Redeemer instruction manual gives details on the reassembling of the Imago Dei, which allows us to reflect the likeness of God in Christ. That's what, look at verse 6. He says, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Walking in Jesus means to reflect him. Please know that. Walking in Jesus means to conform to the image of Christ. Walking in Jesus requires the reassembling of the Imago Day in all of us. So we have to read the instruction manual. We have to let's see what is being done in us supernaturally. And the work that has been doing, done in us, we're passive recipients of it. It's a means of God's grace. So that means you can't leave here and say, I got to do a, a to-do list. It's being done to you because God loves you. The Apostle Paul gives us 
guides us through this instruction manual. He, he uses illustrations and metaphors and, and word pictures to help us understand what, what has been doing, done in us. And look at verses 6 and 7 with me. Therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The first, metaphor, the first illustration is a gardening metaphor, agricultural metaphor. Being in union with the Redeemer is like a seed taking root in soil. It's like a tree sending its roots deep down into the earth. That's the picture. Can y'all see it? All believers are firmly rooted in Jesus. We're intimately and vitally and spiritually joined at the hip with him. So that means he is the source of our life and peace. As John 15, 5 says, Jesus is divine and we are the what? We're the branches. That's been rooted in him. Believers, you are so rooted in Jesus that nothing in all creation is powerful enough to uproot your soul from him. Notice that. That's that's amen statement. If you need to be dancing around here right now. Can you comprehend what that means? That we're so rooted in him. Our roots are so deep into Jesus that nothing in creation is powerful enough to, powerful enough to uproot us from him. Satan can come around with all the roundup he wants. We shall not die. Not death, not stress, not depression, not COVID-19, not injustice, not persecution, not poverty. You just fill in the blank with whatever, and it won't uproot you from Jesus. But do you believe that functionally? This election fallout won't uproot you from Jesus, but do you believe that? His hold and grip on you is too powerful. It's too strong. In John 6, 36, Jesus says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. That is you. That's y'all. That is us, the church. The second illustration is a building metaphor. Like an architect designing a building and a a contractor who builds it, so is God when it comes to his people. You don't design yourself in Christ. You don't. I don't care how many Bible studies you go to. I don't care how many podcasts you listen to. You don't build, you don't, you're not designing yourself. You're not building yourself up. The building and the designing is happening in y'all and to y'all. It's through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. This, is, this goes against who we are as Americans. Because we think we've got to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Jesus doesn't need you to get on the cross with him. His death is sufficient. 
But do you believe that? And beloved, it takes time. If you are an architect, I got one here who's an elder. He knows it takes time to design a building and even more time to actually build it right. So what God is doing in you, what he's building in you, does not require a fire marshal to come check to make sure you're up the code. You've been built up the code. And nobody has come back and, and followed up God's work. Give him some credit. You are progressively being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. The Imago day is, is in the process of being redeemed and restored and, and renewed. Second Corinthians 3 verses 16 through 17 says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And we, with unveiled faces, reflecting the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Praise God for this work. Praise God for this building us up. And he does not take a lunch break. And this word is not just for the adults, it's for the kids and youth too. If you can understand these things as a young Christian, you're going to have so much joy when you get older. Each of you young people, you will leave this church, but you never say you never heard the gospel. Do not leave here and lie on me. You heard it. What you going to do with it? What you going to do with it? God is building you up, even if you don't feel it. Because you don't always feel it. 2020 has been one of those years where we just don't feel it. But his work is not dependent upon how you feel. It's not. Even if he seems like he's not building you up, he is. Even if you feel like you're slipping, even if you feel like your life is is spinning completely out of control, God has you. Edifying you, sustaining you, building you up. You have to go back to this stuff. to go back to it. Christianity is not like graduating from the first grade to the second grade. You need this stuff throughout the rest of your life. This is not school. This is life. Paul says in Philippians 1 6, and and this is a communal verse, and I'm sure it is that he who began a good work in y'all will bring it to completion at day of Christ Jesus. You have to go back and remind yourself of truth. Daily. Do you remind yourself of truth? You have to. Because everything you allow into your soul is, is it truth. So what are you allowing into your soul that is not true? You got to get the word in you. I don't care if you got to listen to it on an app. You got to get it in you. Got to get it in your soul. The next illustration is, is what I call transactional. You see, when you purchase items from a store, you're given a receipt, right? Right? 
Yes, you give it, usually given a receipt. And what does the receipt confirm? The receipt confirms the purchase. It validates that a transaction has taken place. It establishes that you bought the items. The receipt is your proof of purchase. Believers have been purchased by Christ. He bought you. So that means everything you have in your life, it does not belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. That's the Lordship. Because Jesus is the Savior, oh, that's our homeboy. But Jesus the Lord, we give him the side eye. Because Jesus the Lord is going to be in all your business. And to remind you, it ain't really your business, it's mine. Galatians 3, Jesus tells us that Jesus bought us with his blood. Listen to this. His life, his death, and his resurrection are the receipts. And God, through the Holy Spirit, continues to establish us in the faith by reinforcing our trust and conviction and commitment to Jesus. He, he does this by keeping the receipts before us. That's Christ's finished work. You never lose sight of those receipts. Many of us think growing in the faith is that I'm just going to grow in doing good works. The good works are just a fruit of how close you get to Jesus. You don't love your neighbor as yourself because you don't really love God. Nor do you understand how much he loves you. Everything we do is an overflow of what Jesus has done for us. So you can't live right if you don't believe right. You can't live a Christian life if you don't know Jesus. If you're not growing closer to the heart of Christ, this stuff here, you're not going to do this stuff faithfully. You got to get your priorities right. Everything you need to get, you need to, you need to allow Jesus come into your temple and start turning over tables. See, we read that verse and we laugh. But when he come in your house or turn over your tables, you ain't laughing no more. Because we always think he does that to other people. He's doing it to you. If you're going to be established in the faith and grow closer to him, he's going to turn over tables. We say, isn't Jesus supposed to be safe? He's not safe. But he's good. But he's good. You cannot come to this word and come to Jesus and think he ain't ever going to make you uncomfortable. That's Plato Jesus. Not real Jesus. To be established in the faith is to never lose sight of the receipts, people. How often do you look at those receipts? His life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his finished work, or do you think it's just a story for, for unbelievers? It's for you. Jesus has all the receipts of your salvation, your redemption, your adoption, your forgiveness, your acceptance, your freedom, your peace, your sanctification, your joy, your sonship. I need to hear some amens. Amen. 
daughtership, and your eternal security. So if you if you have uncertainty about them, that means you ain't looking at the receipts. Are you trying to earn it? Are you trying to earn it? Believe it, saying he has all the receipts. He has the proof of your purchase. So just relax and enjoy what Christ has done for y'all. The third, these three illustrations given to us by Paul are part of the union with the Redeemer instruction manual. We are being rooted, built up, and established in Christ. The work is happening in us and through us through the work of the Holy Spirit. These are blessings. These are blessings. We are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. The Imago Day is, is, is being redeemed and restored and renewed in all of us. But do we believe this? Do we functionally believe it and live this reality? Where are we? The fourth illustration is about being completely incorporated into something that already exists, to be integrated, to be united. Look at verses 9 and 10. For in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. You see, Jesus is fully God and fully man. Do you believe that? He's the God man. To deny his divinity is to deny half of who he is as a person. To deny his humanity is to deny half of who he is as a person. Jesus is Christ is a whole person. And in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In him also, the whole fullness of humanity dwells bodily. The whole Jesus has two natures, human and divine. And all believers are filled in the whole Jesus and not half of him. Do y'all understand what that means? Do y'all know what that means? Everything that makes you you. Is filled in the whole Jesus. Incorporated in him, integrated in him, united with him, in union with him. The whole you is completely filled in the whole Jesus, not half of who you are as a person. Amen, Pastor. Don't make light of, of this instruction, man, this, this part of the instruction manual. It, it's powerful, it's comforting, and it is encouraging because Jesus doesn't just care about your spiritual well-being. He also cares about your physical well-being. Again, amen, Pastor. He cares about your emotional well-being. He cares about your mental health. He cares about your livelihood. He cares about your pain. He he cares about the loved ones you have lost. He cares about when your car breaks down. He cares when you can't pay the bills. He cares when you're stressed out. He cares when you face hardships and sufferings and injustice. He cares about every inch of your life, big or small. He cares about the whole person, not half of the person. And this caring includes the broken places in your life, your sexual brokenness, 
your gender identity brokenness, your broken relationships with your friends and and family and kids and spouses and siblings, your broken mental health, your broken body, because some of our bodies are broken, your fears about COVID-19 and the election fallout. Jesus meets us in our brokenness. Listen to this. He meets us in our brokenness and he begins the process of resurrection. He meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Your tank may be on empty, but Jesus' tank is never on E when it comes to his people, when it comes to his beloved. And we work in the lyrics of John Legend, all of Jesus loves all of you. He loves your curves and all your edges. And he's able to meet all your needs and not half of them. But do you believe that? Philippians 4.19 says, For my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And here's the thing. What you think you need might not be what the Father knows you need. He ain't always going to give you what you want, but he'll give you what you need. And sometimes that could be a no Jesus isn't a part-time Savior. He's not a part-time Lord. He's full-time all the time. No matter what the enemy is whispers to your heart and mind, don't let him fool you. No matter what your circumstances say, no matter what has happened in the world, Jesus is able and willing and can. As old black gospel song says, trouble in my way. I have to cry sometimes. Trouble in my way, I have to cry sometimes. I, I lay awake at night. But but that's all right. Do you know why it's all right? Because Jesus will fix it. After a while, Jesus will fix it. Either the, Either what we're doing is a game or this is real. It's time for the church in America to wake up. This stuff is either real or it's just a game. Is it real to you? Is Jesus real to you? We can't give people Jesus if we're not drinking from him ourselves. The final illustration Paul gives us found in verses 11 and 12. He uses Old Testament and Judaism circumcision. And Genesis 17, verses 1 through 14, shows us that, that, circumcision, that, the, that physical circumcision was instituted by God to be a sign of, of his covenant between him and his people and the people of Israel. The, the, the sign separated Israel and set them apart from the world. It, it dedicated them to God. And if you know when God gave Abraham the sign of circumcision, he said every male in your family must be circumcised. See, it identified them as his people. It revealed their allegiance. And there was also a spiritual sense, an aspect to this circumcision in the Old Testament. It, is taught, it talked about the circumcision of the heart. That, did, that, did, that, that phrase did just start in the New Testament. It started in the Old Testament too. Leviticus 26.14, Jeremiah 4.4. 4. Jeremiah 9, 25, Ezekiel 44, 9. 
Deuteronomy 10, 16 says, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. And likewise, Christians are circumcised by a circumcision of Christ. He circumcised, his circumcision has a spiritual sense and a physical sense. Look at verses 11 and 12. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the flesh and by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Jesus' circumcision is spiritual. He circumcises your whole person. He circumcises your heart. That's what he's talking about there. That's part of it. It's a heart transplant. Romans 2, verses 28 and 29 says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. For a Jew is one inwardly. Circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter of the law. Ezekiel 20, 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you, and remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore in Christ everyone is a new creation. The old has gone and new has come. Because of Jesus' circumcision, the old you is gone and the new person is born in its place. You're given new passions, saints. New desires, a new identity, a new allegiance, new loyalties. The circumcision of Christ frees you from the power of sin. It frees you from its dominion over you. Listen to what the NIV Bible says. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Do you believe? Now, the circumcision of Christ is also physical. And that's the physical act of baptism, which is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace made by God through Christ extended to us. Baptism identifies you with Jesus' death and resurrection. You have been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith. Believers are also set apart. We are alive in Christ. We belong to him. Your baptism means all your loyalty and allegiance belongs to Jesus, period. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus your political party. Not Jesus plus your president. Not Jesus plus America. Not Jesus plus the American dream. Not Jesus plus your tribe. It's Jesus alone. Him alone. That's where our allegiance belongs to. We're sojourners here. You ain't ever going to have your best life now. Ever. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be something to deal with. Even when it comes to, you know, out the type of church that we're trying to build here, you know, Revelation 7-9, we quote that verse, but I have to remind people, that's glory. That's heaven. And guess what? We ain't in heaven yet. So even when it comes to Revelation 7-9, it ain't going to be easy. Always going to be issues. Always going to be brokenness, broken things to deal with. The affections of your heart also belong to him. 
Your baptism means you love the people Jesus loved. It means you care about what he cares about. Your priorities are changing. There, they should be aligning more and more with Christ's priorities because you are in solidarity with him. Your identity is in him. Your security is in him. Your value is in him. Your significance is in him. Your, your, everything that, 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 that makes you you is in him. He, he's all you have and he's all you got. And some of y'all need to remember your baptism. Some of y'all need to remember your baptism. Do you remember? The circumcision of Christ, being filled in him, are also part of the union with the Redeemer instruction manual. Just like being rooted up, built up, and established in him. All of these things are happening to us and in us. They are means of grace that the Spirit is using to transform us more into the image of Christ. So you can rest. You don't have to live in anxiety and fear about whether or not you're a good Christian. You're a son and daughter because of what Christ did. And there's nothing that can change that. Even when you fall short, even when you're in your sin struggles, even when you're under God's discipline, it's all done in love. You would never be uprooted from him. This stuff would set you free from legalism if you let it get down in your heart. Union with the Redeemer is a free gift and a blessing that can't be earned through good works and effort. We have this union because of what Paul says in in verses 13 and 14. Look with me. He says, and you, and also he says, and y'all who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcised of your flesh, God made alive together with Jesus having forgiven all your trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That means the sin that's been nailed to the cross, you bear no more. Past, present, and future. He died one time For all your sins. But does that give you joy? Does that give you a sense of freedom? Does that make you want to live for him? And our response to God's amazing grace and mercy should be what Paul says at the end of verse 6. That we continue to abound in thanksgiving to God. He deserves our praise, but he also deserves our thanksgiving. Because of what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for our union with the Redeemer. And as one hymn says, I'm going to change some of the pronouns here. Our hope is built on nothing less than the blood of Christ and his righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. And all other grounds are what? I can't hear you. Sinking sand. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this gift. Thank you for this union 
Thank you for the things that you are doing in us, that you are, have rooted us in Christ. You're building us up. You are establishing us in the faith. You have, um, we have been circumcised by, by Christ's circumcision. Lord, you have done all these things in and for us, and that we are filled in him. And we would never be cast out. We would never be forsaken. So, Father, thank you. We worship you. We praise you. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Please stand for God's benediction. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body, notice what it says, not half, but may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Press on, saints. Press on.